As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It's Friday, two days before Christmas. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes uh, have put together one of the best recruiting classes in the country, probably one of the best ever in school history uh, after uh, a tumultuous, uh, I would say, uh, run of, of elite recruits, right? Like just going after some of the best in the country, landing two five-star, signing two five-stars so far. Uh, Samson Okunlola, Francis Mangoa. Um, I mean, you can go up and down this list and, and find blue chip talent all over the place. And Mario Cristobal was certainly happy with that Wednesday when he talked to us. Uh, I even asked him a little bit about those loafers that have become his sort of trademark signature uh, throughout the recruiting trail. He gave, he gave us a funny answer, but... Um, <clears throat> Bringing Andrew Ferrelli in because still technically the signing uh, window, uh, you know, the NCAA makes it a three-day period here in the early signing period. And there's still one big name that's uh, out there, Andrew, and that's Cormani McLean, the number two overall recruit in the 247 Sports composite. I've spoken to a lot of people in the last 48 hours to sort of try to find out any information. I was with Cormani at the state championship games six days ago when uh, Lakeland won their state championship here down in Fort Lauderdale. He was doing this the whole time, just running all over the place, doing that the whole time. Uh, but yet still no signature from him. Let's get into it. What can you tell us uh, as far as what's going on with that situation? Yeah. I mean, obviously a, a weird situation. There. There's, there's a lot of different factors playing into it. Uh, I think the biggest thing is first and foremost, that a lot of people don't understand is Miami is kind of the one that was like, Hey, let's, like, you know, kind of put this on pause for a second. This wasn't Cormani that was like, hmm, not sure if I want to sign, if there's other schools. There were just some administrative stuff behind the scenes, um, whether it was NIL-related, grade-related, whatever the case may be, um, where Miami was kind of like a little unsure, had to work some stuff out paperwork-wise. And, and that's what kind of put a pause to this. Um, and then we've seen other schools, whether it's Colorado, Alabama, um, try to take advantage and get involved there. Um, but I, I think it's important to understand that, you know, from the start, this wasn't something where Cormani was like 
unsure about signing, didn't want to sign, was holding off. This was something where Miami kind of put a pause to it um, while they worked through some things on the back end. Um, and then it's just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I have heard, you know, especially uh, I think it's come out that he's not early enrolling, um, whether it's, you know, test scores, grades, whatever it is, lack of credits, don't want to get too far into that, but, but he's not enrolling until uh, the summer, wherever he does decide to sign. Um, so that's another thing that's kind of slowed this recruitment down. Um, I still do believe he signs uh, today, Friday, um, but uh, now that he's not early enrolling, it does open up the possibility for him to sign, uh, you know, further back into that February period, um, and which would really just kind of restart that whole recruitment. Um, as of right now, as things stand here Friday morning, I still think Miami is the, the leader there to, to land him. Um, they still feel confident. Uh, I know, you know, obviously Dion's tried to get his attention, has made some calls, has been, you know, promising all these kids revenue splits and all this stuff from the Amazon Prime documentary, which I don't think is going to be what he thinks it is. Um, but I, I've heard Colorado's not too big of a threat there. Um, it seems like if it were to be anyone else at this point, it would probably be Bama. Um, Alabama did just land Des Ricks, but they was a little bit of, wouldn't say confidence coming out of Bama. Um, from someone I spoke to there yesterday, but definitely um, they think they're in the picture. Uh, as we stand right now, especially if he does sign today and doesn't push it back till February, I'd be very, very surprised if it wasn't anyone but Miami. Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes in line with what I've been hearing on my end. You know, uh, I stopped by campus Wednesday for the uh, press conference, spoke to some people at Miami, and I think there's just confidence that this is going to get done one way or the other here. Uh, I did speak to some people in Lakeland, uh, who I know uh, know the uh, you know McLean family and uh, well and and know have sort of followed his career here for the last several years and I guess the feeling was uh, you know NIO is obviously a big part of this as well right like all of this is is being able to take advantage of what you can now in college football and and uh, you know earn yourself and your family a, a better life and so. I think part of this, this th that can't be discounted, right? Like that's not a, a factor in all this as well. Um, you know, once these guys sign and and they get on campus, that's when they can start making their money. They can't do it beforehand. So uh, I think you know the fact that he might actually delay the decision to February opens the door potentially to other schools getting into this thing. And uh, Alabama was pushing really, really hard. Coach T. Rob, I know, went down to Lakeland High School. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before signing, they trying to get him to take a visit. Mario was there the same day or, or like a couple of days later <clears throat> to do his on-campus visit and, and told, uh, you know, basically got, I think, Cormani to stay to stay in. Right. Like not to take that extra trip to, to Alabama. And, and uh, but, you know, they were under a lot of pressure at Alabama to get an elite recruit. And up until yesterday when they got Desmond Ricks, that was still missing in their class. So. Uh, you know, I talked to Damari Brown, who did sign with Miami on Wednesday, and he said he was getting phone calls from T-Rob on Tuesday, uh, you know, up until and this is supposed to be the dead period. But this is the way things work now in college football. Right. You you push the envelope all the way up until the end. So I, I can imagine on Cormani's front, there's a lot like you said, there's a lot to this. It's not just one simple answer, I think, to why all this has sort of gone on. Um, and I know a lot of people have been wanting answers. And unfortunately, you know, Cormani and doesn't do a lot of interviews. As I wrote in my story for The Athletic on Saturday, it, it, life isn't simple. Um, you know, I, he wins the state championship and everybody wants to talk to him about going to Miami, starting the next chapter. Me, Adam Lichtenstein was there. David Wilson from the Miami Herald. All the 
all the reporters covering the state championships want to talk to, you know, Cormani about Miami. And he's, he whispers to me, says, I can't, I, my mom doesn't want me to talk about Miami. And, and so it's just, it, it, it sort of becomes like at that point, my little, you know, little lights in my head started going off like, oh my God, I wonder if something's going on here, you know? And uh, unfortunately it hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it happens today. If it doesn't, if it, you know, if it doesn't happen uh, as you're listening to the show later on, either on YouTube or on uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, uh, just know that, you know, these are some of the things going on in the background. I'm glad, Andrew, that, that you've come on to talk about some of this stuff with me because it is an important story. I think there's obviously a lot of interest nationwide. Uh, but again, I think there's remains a lot of confidence that he's going to be a hurricane and, and become the 26th commitment in this class. Yeah, I, w- I would agree 100 percent with everything you said there. Um, again, if, you know, for whatever reason, it does get pushed back to February now, he's not early enrolling. I think then all bets are off, you know, basically yep. another two months of six, seven weeks of, of that recruitment being back wide open. Um, but if he does go through and shut it down today, which I think Miami is hopefully he would, um, I, I think it'll be Miami. I'd be very surprised if it was anyone else. And, and just one thing to sort of clarify uh, for, for fans who don't necessarily study this all the time. You don't have to be academically qualified to sign a national letter of intent. There's a lot of guys who still are in the process of waiting for a test score when they sign. I mean, we've seen that happen over the years at Miami, right? Guys will sign and then they won't academically qualify. There'll be a missing transcript or there'll be something that forces them to, uh, you know, uh, sort of have a delay in getting into Miami or maybe not getting into Miami at all. So, that's not preventing him from signing. That's a choice being made, in my opinion, not to sign for various reasons. So uh, I think that needs to be clarified as well. Um, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about this recruiting class because it still was one of the best uh, in the country. I thought they addressed a lot of needs, but there still are a lot of needs that have gone unmet. And and I sat here yesterday. I broke down the entire roster, uh, at, you know, sort of just penciling in position by position. Okay, this is who they've got now here. This is who they've got now. This is who's gone. Uh, When I did the math, Andrew, I've got Miami right around 82 scholarships. Uh, Obviously, you can use up to all 85. Uh, You can also get guys preferred walk on and and work out other ways to get them to to come here. Um, But 82 right now, 40 on offense, 40 on defense, uh, a kicker and a punter. That's 82. Mario said, receiver defensive tackle are the remaining needs now look they can obviously still have players enter the transfer portal from here to the end of spring i also anticipate there'll be some kids graduating that'll be coming off the books as well guys that haven't been contributors here their whole career but when you look at this roster the needs that need to be met specifically on defensive tackle and wide receiver and maybe even i would say safety because i don't see a whole lot of safeties on this roster um what do you anticipate happening here? Is there anything else that you expect to happen today? Or is this going to become, you know, sort of a February signing period? And then, you know, we'll see what happens towards the spring when, when the transfer window opens again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's all positions that they're going to address in the transfer portal. Um, I know Dante Thornton, the wide receiver from Oregon, is the, the top transfer wide receiver on their board. He was down here for a while, two or three day visit. Um Everything went very, very well there. He spent a lot of time with the coaching staff. He's very close with uh, Miami's director of recruiting, Dennis Smith, very close with uh, Mario Cristobal uh, from their time at Oregon. Uh, Mario's the one that recruited him in. He's a a former four-star, top 75 player in the country, Um, a big body, 6'4", 6'5", exactly the kind of receiver that they're looking for. Um, 
he did want to take one more visit in January. Um, I didn't get a specific school on what, uh, where that was that he was going to take that visit. He did want to take one more visit in January, uh, but they do feel very, very good about landing him just based off their previous relationships. Uh, and I think that would go a, a big way to help shore up that wide receiver and bring in that, that big body and, and Dante Thornton. Um, as for defensive linemen, um, obviously they got Thomas Gore uh, from uh, Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State came over. Um, they're still looking for another big bot, like a, a true big defensive tackle. Gore's only about 5'11", 6'270". Um, can be disruptive inside, but they're, they're still looking for that uh, that big, true defensive tackle, a guy that's built kind of like uh, Horton that they signed, someone that's in that 6'4", 6'5", 300-pound range. Um, that's something I think they'll continue to look for in, in the portal over the next, uh, you know, a couple of weeks and even a couple of months, possibly after spring. Um, other than that, I mean, they're, they're, I've heard that they're bringing in a, uh, another transfer cornerback, um, wasn't allowed to give a name, but I heard he was a, a starter at a, a big 10 school. That was one of the, yes. the top defensive big 10 schools. Um, so they're, they're bringing in a, a quality cornerback from, from, a that's has power five starting experience as well. Um, so I think they're, they're still, you know, kind of plugging guys in, filling holes where they can in the portal. And uh, as you said, as more guys continue to leave, whether it's through graduation or after spring or whatever the case may be, I think they'll continue to kind of address the roster and, and see where they need to, to continue to fill. Yeah, I think between the transfer portal and graduation, I've got the departures at 28. So uh, I'm sure they used all 85 scholarships last year. Mario is going to do that every single time. He'll figure out how to do the math. But uh you know, there's some dead weight on this roster, guys that really, again, haven't played. So there's more than three scholarships available by my account. I mean, you can go down the offensive line and, and you know, pick off some names there. You can certainly look at linebacker, uh, defensive line. Uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of edge rushers that are still on this roster, guys that really haven't played much. Uh, so there, you, could, you can use your imagination and go through the list and, and pick those names out. Uh, so I, I think, you know, they could sign anywhere from probably six to eight more guys um you know here bringing him in with this class which would be sort of coincide with the number we were given originally which was um you know somewhere around 30 to 35 right uh they're at uh 29 additions if you get Cormani, that's 30 you add another six to eight you know 36 to 38 new faces and i gotta be an honest with you andrew and we'll, and we'll talk about some of these recruits in a second um i don't i mean this is my early impression I don't know if they've really addressed a lot of issues, and this could be another tough season around the corner in the sense that you're going to have some growing pains with some guys that haven't played a whole lot. Uh, not that they were great last year, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying, like, hey, look, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have to do this anyway, right? But uh, I just think naturally it's hard for true freshmen to come in right away and make a huge impact. And I think Miami fans have to be mentally prepared for, hey, this could be another season of transition, another season where you're still – sort of trying to build, uh, you know, towards a championship level program where maybe early on in the year, things are a little bit of a struggle because you have some young new guys playing that you don't. Now, if you go out into the transfer portal and you get six to eight veteran guys, then maybe, you know, my, my attitude changes. But right now, currently constructed, I mean, you've got four transfers and 25 true freshmen coming in. And I guess my question to you is, when you assess this roster and you look at, at some of the issues that this team had last year, where's your confidence level with them being able to win right away with the changes they've made? I mean, I think it depends on, on what you consider winning right away. I don't think this is a team that's going to go out there next year and win, you know, 11 games and, you know, win the ACC or anything like that. But I think you'll definitely see 
uh, big steps in the right direction. I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't go out there, win eight, nine games, um, and at least compete in the Coastal. Um, I think they have done uh, about as good of a job as they can addressing um, a lot of the needs on the roster. Uh, I mean, there was just way too many holes on this team to, to fill it in, in one offseason, but I think they've done a good job uh, so far of at least flipping what they can. I mean, we saw this team get just you know demolished in the trenches, especially on, on both sides of the ball really towards the end of the year. And the top four players in this class um, that have signed so far, not not uh, counting Cormani yet, five if you include Malik Bryan as an edge rusher, all um, you know trench guys. You've got two five star defense, or sorry, two five star offensive linemen, and Francis Malagoa and Samson Akinola. Um, those are both guys that can step in and help right away. Obviously, you've got JVN Cohen, who was uh, you know an elite offensive lineman, started the last two years at Bama, didn't give up a sack in over sixteen hundred snaps. Uh, they've done what they can to sure up that offensive line right away. And I think that'll, that'll show throughout the rest of the offense. It'll help the, the running backs look better. The quarterbacks look more comfortable. Uh, so I think they've, that was probably the biggest issue last year, especially offensively was that offensive line. And I think that's the the one spot they've really hammered home the best in this class. And I think it'll make the rest of the offense look better. Um, as for, for DBs, obviously we saw, uh, especially corner was, it was a big weakness last year. Um, you know, hopefully you, you do go ahead and close on Cormani. That that helps there a lot. Um, I'm not sure physically how ready he is to to compete day one, especially with coming in uh, in that June August window. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's someone. If he does sign, that you're going to see out there right away. Just needs to add weight, needs to clean some stuff up. Um, I, I do think Damari Brown is someone that could play right away at that cornerback position. Um, physically ready, technique is ready. Uh, I, I think he's someone that you could see, I don't know about starting day one, but definitely getting some playing time from day one. Um, and then also at that quarterback position with the, with his brother, Devontae Brown. Um, I was there at American Heritage this this past week when uh, there was the whole signing day ceremony for all, all the Heritage guys. Uh, Damari made his commitment and, and his brother Devontae was there. I That was the first time I had seen Devontae in person. He is a big kid. That's a big corner. Yeah, um, he is. He's listed at, at 6'2", 185 on, uh, on UCF's roster. And, and I would, even if they list him at 6'3", I don't think you get any pushback on that. Um, so I think offensive line and cornerback, they've done a good job of kind of um, filling some of those needs, um, whether it's in the portal or, or just guys that can play right away as freshmen. Um, there are still some some holes that are, are going to be uh, tough, especially at linebacker. Um, obviously, you have Wesley Besant coming back. You know, he's going to lead that linebacker room. I know you have Corey Flagg, who's probably the most experienced, but Besant's going to be that leader of the linebacker room. Uh, Francisco Malagoa coming in. He was the top-ranked PFF linebacker transfer, um, and then a lot of freshmen, but it's still going to be a young and experienced room where I think that's kind of the position where I think you will see some of those growing pains you're talking, you're talking about. Um, that'll maybe keep them from being that 10, 11 win team. Yeah. I guess more than anything, I'm just trying to preach patience because I think around here at Miami, we, we want it so bad, right? We want the hurricanes to look good so that things turn around quickly. We can be happy. Fans can be happy. Everybody's happy. But, you know, there's a process to this all. And, and as you flip a roster, there's going to be, you know, one thing I've, I've tried to mention, too, uh, at different points is, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, high school guys, remember this, Andrew, I mean, they physically they play through injuries, right? Many of these guys end up having, you know, getting seen by the doctors at Miami and they're like, no, he needs to have surgery. He, needs, he has a shoulder, a labrum or he has. So a lot of that stuff can delay some of the progress that you're hoping to make. Right. You guys all of a sudden have to miss spring football. That puts them behind. Then they get late break on the workouts. And Mario has made it pretty much a point that, uh, you know, 
if you're an incoming guy and you need that spring football session and there's going to be 20 guys he says uh that are going to be coming in signing in early uh i think between transfers and uh and uh high school kids so um you know you're going to get a lot of guys in but i will warn everybody that that's you know when when everybody sort of asked manny why isn't this guy out of practice what? well i'll tell you because he probably had to have surgery on something that nobody realized uh until he got to miami until the, the school was able to, to check him out physically and really see well does he need to have surgery on this or not and so, um, Andrew, let me ask you this. Um, we talk, You talked some about the offensive line. I agree with you. I think that's going to be the one area where I think you'll see an immediate difference in terms of talent and ability. And I, and I was basically told uh, in not so many words that, you know, Oaken Lola and Maui Go are two guys that they're going to push really hard to get into that lineup quickly. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I, I think there are some guys, too, that can help you. I think Ruben Bain physically has the body to come in right away uh, and and contribute as a pass rusher. You mentioned his uh, Francisco Maui Goa playing linebacker. I think in the front seven, you'll see some guys, but defensive tackle to me remains something. Have you heard any names? Because I know Miami went after Tunmice uh, Adelier. He picked Michigan State. Uh, you know, they, they've obviously added this kid from uh, Georgia State, but have you heard any names yet through the process uh, besides Thomas Gore? Or are there guys maybe that are still haven't decided to enter the portal that they're waiting on? Uh, I know Kalajan Kansi, the uh, defensive tackle from Pitt, they were really, really hoping that he was going to decide to enter the portal instead of uh, going to the NFL draft. Um, if he had entered the portal, I think they they felt very good about bringing him home. He's a, a Miami Northwestern kid. Um, unfortunately, I believe it was yesterday he actually did go ahead and, and make that decision to enter the draft. Um, so that was a big hit to what they were hoping to, to bring in on that defensive line. Um I think there are still some guys out there that maybe haven't entered the portal yet that, that they're looking at. Um, Evan Anderson, the the big defensive tackle at FAU. Um, he's like a 6'4", 340-pound guy. I think he was second-team all-conference. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's the guy that they're, they're hoping enters the portal. They can bring him down really easily. Um, so I, I think it's just uh, one of those positions that they'll continue to monitor. Um, and I think there's a lot of guys that are still, you know, haven't jumped in the portal that will. And, and Guys from big schools, I've heard LSU might have some guys still entering the portal soon. Um, there's there's some names that'll that'll still be entering the portal over the next couple of weeks, and I think Miami is definitely going to be one of the more active shoppers uh, when it comes to those guys. All right, let's make some fun predictions here because you know people are gonna it's just gonna forget about this anyway. But maybe we can come back to this in a couple of years. Um, who do you think is the most impactful recruit on offense? Who's the most impactful recruit on defense? I want to get your opinion on that. As a true freshman, I'm probably going to go Francis Malagoa. Um, he's been, whether it's in a camp setting, I've seen him at, at uh, in pads at IMG, whatever the case may be, he has been far and away the, the most impressive recruit I've watched this year, maybe one of the most impressive offensive line recruits I've, I've ever seen in person. Um, I, I think he's a kid that walks in, starts at Miami for three years, and is probably a first or second round pick um, after those three years, barring you know injury or anything like that. Um, so I think he, he is your offensive lineman of the future. He's going to hold down that tackle spot. Uh, I, I think he's from day one for the next two, three years, two, three, four years. I think he is, is the most impactful recruit in, in this class on offense. Um, defensively, um, I think it might be Damari Brown. I think, uh, a lot of people are, are sleeping on him. Obviously Ruben Bain, I think can, can make an impact right away. Um, Jaden Wayne as well. I think those are, are two guys that can make some impacts on the defensive line early. 
Um, but I, I really do think Damari has everything you're looking for in a corner from size, speed, technique. Uh, I think he's someone that's going to uh, play right away. And he may, be, may not have as high of a, a ceiling as, uh, as Cormani McLean does, just from Cormani's length, his overall speed, everything like that. Um, but I think Damari is a guy that can be a very, very solid corner for Miami from day one for the next three or four years. All right. I'm not going to give the same answers as you. So we have a little bit of variety here. Uh, I'm going to say on offense, Mark Fletcher. And I, you know, on, at the state championship weekend, I trailed him for four quarters and I tweeted this out earlier this week. I don't know how you feel about this, Andrew. If maybe it's an unfair comparison, but there's shades. I want to say shades of Alonzo Highsmith in terms of the leadership that he shows um, sort of leading his teammates on the sideline being a guy that they all come to, to you know, and he, he sort of tells them what he sees. And I see a little bit of protectiveness the same way you see out of Alonzo, right? Like in terms of, you know, he had a teammate fumble late in that game uh, when they lost to Miami Central. And as soon as the game ended, you know, the first thing he did, he went and put his arm around him um, and, and was hugging him and, and loving him up and just trying to console him. And when he talked to reporters, you know, the first thing out of his mouth was this guy's going to be a great player. You know, just the kind of leadership and maturity that I think, um, to me, screams a hurricane. It screams a guy who you want in your system, right? That's gonna help change the culture a little bit, um, and and take you up to the next level. Plus, I think he's a hellacious physical running back. And and when you look at uh, what Mario ideally wants with this offense, Chris Johnson's gonna be explosive. He's gonna be sort of they're gonna be a lightning and thunder sort of tandem, um, for the next couple of years. But I I think physically, you know you look at this this backfield the five scholarship players that they have right now you need mark fletcher to play because Javante citizen is coming off a major uh, knee injury uh, you don't know where he's going to be health wise and i think there's a, the chance and, and mark told me he's healthy you know he's not banged up even though he just ran like 800 times for 1900 yards and, and was carrying guys on his back physically uh he's ready to roll so i think he's the kind of guy who could come in here and carve out a role be the kind of big physical back that Mario wants. And maybe he doesn't lead the team in rushing. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he's going to do that as a true freshman. But you think back to Alonzo Highsmith and the effect that he had when he first got to Miami in 1983. I, I think he's the kind of guy that can help Miami recruit guys down the road because he's well-liked. Yeah, definitely. No, And obviously, as you touched on the physical aspect of him, he's an incredible running back, great size. Uh, very slipped on for his speed and his ability to make guys miss that size. Um, but yeah, just one of the best players I've been around best from a personal standpoint, one of the best teammates have been around. I mean, for seven on seven, he didn't really play. He was, he was our long snapper. He just kind of tossed the ball back to the quarterback because um, seven yeah. on seven is not really a sport for a, a six two, 230, 240 pound running back. Um, but we, he would come to everything with us just because he was, so well liked he was the best teammate you could ask for is that you know so close to, to everyone on the team everyone loved him um he's definitely a guy that that's gonna just help the locker room uh come together and also be able to to recruit you know other guys from the area that uh, that come along in the next two three four classes looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I got a chance to attend an event uh, Wednesday night after the signing day uh, festivities where a lot of the local high school recruits, including Mark and a bunch of Miami guys, I think there were seven or eight Miami guys there, Frankie Tinelau, uh, Ray Ray Joseph, um, you know, uh, ba- Ruben Bain. A lot of these guys were down there, Mark Fletcher, and those guys – uh, you know, they had a, they had a pretty strong bond, you know, right off the bat. They were hanging out together, talking together. And I think, you know, Mario talked about this in his press conference that, you know, he wants to change the culture and 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 sort of bring in guys that really want to be hurricanes, guys that want to be here, not put up with the crap that he kind of had to put up with in year one. And I know NIL is going to make that a challenge, Andrew, because, you know, let's face it, every one of these guys wants to get paid. Uh, there's different reasons why they'll get paid. Some guys may not get paid. That could be an issue down the road. But at least I think at their core, um, you know, these are guys that want to be Miami Hurricanes, that some of them that love each other, know each other for a long time. So hopefully that helps galvanize this locker room so that you don't have some of the issues that Texas A&M went through this past season. I think, uh, you know, as talented as they were, there's no question that some of that NIL stuff crept in there and caused some problems uh, and, and, you know, it's it, sometimes it can be tough to overcome. And we're just sort of learning about this stuff now, because this is all brand new to the college football game the last couple of years uh, where, where, you know, NIL is out there front and center and it's legal and it's not hidden behind the scenes. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a conversation now that everybody has to have, you can't ignore it. Uh, so I'm hoping that, 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 that plays a role as far as my defensive player. Uh, obviously I, I love Ruben Bain. I think he's going to come in and make an instant impact. Uh, but to be a little bit different here, I, I on this is one of my favorite players in the class, and I don't think, uh, you know, maybe some people feel as, as strongly, but I, I think uh, Bobby Washington, the linebacker, um, I, I watched him play some in seven on seven, and there's just something about his attitude, about wanting to knock guys out, uh, you know, wanting to not being afraid of anything, the confidence that he has. Um, you look at that linebacker position at Miami, and I know everybody loves Wesley Besant. They think he's going to be a great player at Miami. Popo Aguirre will probably be very, very good too. But there's something about Bobby Washington, his size, uh, his his uh, intelligence, his moxie that makes me feel like this is a guy who's going to have a good career at Miami. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, he's he's got that combination of size and speed that you want. He's probably about 6'2", 6'3", now, still growing, um, runs legit. Four, 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 five at that size. Um, I think the biggest thing with him, they probably got to put on another 15, 20 pounds. He's maybe around 210 right now. I think they'll probably want to get him up to mm-hmm. about 6'3, 225. Um, so I think uh, if he can get in, in early, especially in January, I believe he is early enrolling. Um, you know, 
get acclimated to the weight program, everything like that, get in uh, in shape. I think he's definitely a kid that that could help out early. Um, both Bobby and Robbie, they're they're two kids that honestly, it, from just being around them, talking to them, doesn't seem like they've ever been in like the true weight program. They've never had like that real strength and conditioning, anything like that. They're just kind of naturally like that. Um, so I think it's going to be fun to watch them get to Miami, get in that, in that weight program and, and see, uh, you know, what they can really turn into. All right, Andrew. So I asked for some mailbag questions and I want us to be able to dive into that here. Um, you know, kind of help us sort of navigate the show from here on out. I'm, maybe some of these questions aren't good. I'm kind of reading through them one by one, but if one of them sucks, well, sorry, we'll, we'll skip ahead to the next one. We apologize. This one I actually like, this is from, uh, Samuel Dumarquet on Twitter. He says, how many classes have to be like this before expectations change? I'm going to answer first. You can provide your thoughts right after, Andrew. But I, I think you need three classes before you can really, three great classes before you can really have the ch- kind of championship winning depth that you need. Now, how many do you need to make a 12-team playoff? I don't think you need that many. I think you could get away with one or two really good classes if you load up in the transfer portal. Uh, but as far as winning a championship, getting to that Alabama, Georgia, um, you know, uh, Ohio State, Clemson type level, you probably need to stack three great classes uh, because you're going to have misses. You're going to have guys that enter the portal. You're going to have guys that get injured. Uh, so you need the depth if you're really going to make a run at a championship. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think three is a solid number. Um, I, I think right now with the way the transfer portal is, with the way NIL is, everything like that, I think you could probably do it in two. I mean, if you're flipping, you know, 40 kids in a year, basically in two years, you could have a whole new roster. Right. Um, obviously, you'd still be a little young at that point. So that may be where that third year comes in. But I, I think in two years, you could really put together a, a team that could compete, um, you know, for 10, 11, 12 wins with these. Right. This is from Brian Haley, underscore Brian Haley on Twitter. Uh, amazing class this year. How are the Canes poised in 2024, particularly at receiver? People can't get enough of this recruiting stuff, man. Andrew, obviously, we've got the two local guys, uh, the five stars, JJ uh, and JoJo Trader. Um, but when you look at this class, besides those two guys at receiver, uh, any early thoughts on on who they might be targeting and maybe other positions that you see as sort of key guys in the 24 class from Miami? Obviously, the first part of that question, just, you know, how they continue this going into 24. Um, you know, I think if you win, it gives you a lot better chance to keep these guys home. I mean, coming off a of five and seven season and sitting here with the top five class is incredible. Not sure how sustainable that is. Um, I think you've got to start seeing that progress on the field. And then if you combine that with what Miami's doing from, you know, just the recruiting guys they have on staff with Mario's intensity as a recruiter with what they're doing from the NIL standpoint. I think that's when you'll really see this recruiting ball continue to roll and pull in those top three, top five classes consistently. Um, at receiver next year, obviously, uh, you know, the two five stars, JJ and Jojo um, from, from Chaminade. Um, Jeremiah Trader, JJ did, I'm sorry, Jeremiah Smith, he did go ahead and, uh, and commit to Ohio State, but uh, we're, we're well outside of a year until he signs when he made that commitment. So I think there's still a lot of room to work there. Um, outside of those two guys, Chance Robinson's another big target. He's a top hundred receiver, high four star kid from St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, he's a kid. I know him, know his dad, both of them are big UM fans. I think that's a, a kid mine will have a, a very good chance at landing next year. Um, and then just some receivers outside of South Florida. Um, Mazio Bennett's a kid that they really, really like. He's a, a four star. He's a 
uh, out of South Carolina. Um, he'll actually be down here for uh, the raw seven on seven tryouts. He'll be playing with us this year. He'll be spending a lot of time down here in, uh, in Miami. So I think that's a kid they really like. And then also Ryan Wingo. He's one of the, the top rated uh, receivers in the country. I think those are probably the, the top five on their, uh, their receiver board uh, going forward. Any other big time local kids that you think that uh, have to become priorities at other positions? Oh, yeah. I mean, 20, that 24 class, they definitely have to, uh, to hammer home a lot of the local kids. Um, obviously, we touched on on the two five stars, JJ and Jeremiah. Those are going to be the, the two kind of focal points of, of this class in the state. But uh, also, you've got TJ Capers at Columbus. He's a five star, ranked as the, uh, kind of an edge out, outside linebacker. He's about 6'2, 230. So there's a little bit in between. Um, that's going to be a, a big kid to try to keep home. You've got uh, not as local, but Ellis Robinson. He's the number one cornerback in the country. He's, he's at IMG. Um, someone that uh, I know Adai has already started to build a good relationship with. Um, Ellis will be down here a lot for, for seven on seven. Um, those are probably two key guys. And also uh, Zaquan Patterson. He's a, another top hundred guy also at Chaminade uh, with, with JJ and Jojo. He's a kind of a linebacker safety, a little bit of a tweener there as well. Um, those are, those are some, some top guys that we'll definitely have to, to work to keep home. Uh, next year and, and hopefully build the foundation of this class around. We got a lot of a lot of time before then, guys. We got a lot of time to talk 2024 yes. for between here and then. And Mario's all over it already. I mean, they have basically been recruiting that for, for months now and, and doing their homework and doing everything, um, which kind of uh, leads into our next question. This is from David Engelson on Twitter, David underscore Engelson. Uh, one thing I've noticed from Cristobal's commitments is that they don't make a spectacle out of the recruiting process slash announcements. I know we're hardwired to look at the star rating system, but how much does a recruit's mentality factor into Mario's recruiting process? I think without question, Mario is looking for guys who have the right kind of personality, the right kind of fit. There's no question that there are psychology tests being done by Mario when he has these conversations and he talks to them. He, I'll put it to you this way. He talks to them more than any head coach probably does, you know, between texting and, and, and everything else. Uh, I've heard that across the board from all the recruits. Again, I spoke to a bunch of them Wednesday night. Uh, all of them talk about uh, how important, uh, you know, Mario puts a, a factor on leadership and being good people and, and all that kind of stuff. What, you know, what he looks for. And he talked about, it. I think a lot of this, he, he mentioned this several times in his press conference, Andrew, but getting these guys on campus for camps, right. Mm -hmm. Having, being able to physically see them with his own eyes, uh, you know, on campus, go through drills that they want them to go through and then talking to them and talking to them, talking to them. I think without question, look, does he care about recruiting rankings? Yes. There's no question. Mario cares about recruiting rankings, right? Like every coach has their passion for Mario. It's important to him. He came from the Jimmy Johnson area era, uh, played for Jimmy here. Talent acquisition is a big thing to him, but I also think what matters even more is the DNA of these guys their 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 mindset and so yes i i agree 100 that that's something he's doing any other insights into that from you yeah i i totally agree um that that's something they look a lot at it's part of uh what alonzo highsmith does a lot in his role is just talking to these guys trying to get a feel for them personally if, if they're a good fit um for this program whether it's from just being a hard worker humble you know everything that they're looking for um if they're just a good fit for, for this locker room um, to kind of avoid what we saw this year. Um, I think there was a lot of guys that were on this past roster that wouldn't have been on this roster if Mario was here simply because 
um, you know, of them just personality wise, how they are off the field. Um, I think it's definitely something Mario and the staff focus on is not only getting guys that are great football players, but guys that fit what Mario is trying to do here from a, a program standpoint, building the program and, and just getting the right mentality uh, in this locker room. All right. This is from David Hernandez, D Hernan, uh, D Hernan underscore on Twitter. Do you see Miami dipping more into the portal or into the high school ranks with the NCAA blanket waiver of the official visits for this period? I'll let you answer that one. I think that's definitely something that's going to go towards uh, being used in the portal. Um, they're, I think high school pretty much, oh, except for Cormani, uh, it seems like pretty much all, all the top guys there are pretty much signed. That, that's been taken care of. Um, but uh, it's definitely going to be something that they, they do take advantage of in the portal. I know Miami was running pretty tight towards the end of this uh, cycle when it came to uh, visits. number of some visits and things like that. Um, so that's definitely a, a big waiver for them to go ahead and, and pass through. Um, and it's something they're going to take advantage of in the portal because th this portal class continues. There's still guys, like I said, that are going to be jumping in this portal. Um, the window opens up. It's still open right now for a little bit longer and then opens up again after spring. Um, so they're, they're going to continue to uh, to attack that portal and do everything they can to continue to flip this roster before next season. I do think that they're still looking at whatever high school guys might be out there that haven't signed yet. Um, I don't think it's completely closed on the high school front. If they can find somebody, maybe a hidden gem or, or somebody that, that they really like, that they think could be a late arrival even, I think I, I agree with you. I think the majority of the focus is the transfer portal because you need experience. But I would say I don't think they've completely ruled it out, uh, in my opinion, uh, based on one conversation that I had once day as I was leaving the building. Um, all right. This is from Chris Griffin, C Griffin, three, two, five on Twitter. What are your thoughts on Andrew Ivins labeling Miami a loser on early signing day? I know this became a controversial story on the Internet and. He went, uh, Ivan, to, by the way, I, I've known Ivan's now a couple of years. We did a couple of uh, podcasts together when I was working with uh, Big O and doing the show for him at night. Um, Andrew came in several nights. Great. I loved working with Andrew. I think one thing people don't realize, and I'm a journalist. I, I have to do this job every day. You, and I want your thoughts on this, Andrew. But I think people don't realize that there's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility to just produce content constantly. And sometimes you, you may not do all your homework. There's a lot of people on TV who don't have the opportunity to do all of their homework. Did he make a mistake calling Miami a loser? Yes. But I also think had he been given a little bit more time to think, he probably doesn't make that mistake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I know Andrew as well. He's a, you know, a great guy. He lives down here. Definitely no uh, animosity towards UM or anything like that. Um, I think he was explaining it on the, on the Joe Rose show. He was saying that, you know, he was, on TV doing shows and everything for pretty much eight hours straight. They gave him a piece of paper, said, here, write down your winners and your losers, put his winners, put his losers. At that point, my Miami Cormani were still up in the air as it is today. So we just kind of put a question mark there. And he's like, next thing he knows, it's on a graphic. His Twitter's getting blown up. He's like, he really wasn't thinking, you know, anything of it at that point. Um, but, but he did explain, you know, a little bit in the article as well, if, if they went through and read it that, you know, the signing class as a whole was a big win for Miami. Obviously, top five class in the country, one of the you know top classes Miami's pulled it in a long time. Um, was it maybe a little disappointing on signing day to some people that they didn't go out and flip someone? You know, they, they were working to flip Hakeem Williams, Streif Denson, kids like that. Um, you know, and and then obviously Cormani didn't go ahead and sign. I guess if you want to look at it that way, you can kind of try to put them on on that side of things. 
Um, but I think it was just something that was kind of done in the moment, did it real quickly, like you said. Um, wasn't meant to blow up as them being this big loser on signing day. Um, and, uh, you know, may- maybe looking back, I don't think you would necessarily put them in that that loser category if you knew what the graphic was going to look like when it was put out. Yeah. Again, this is... This is an easy job to do. I've been covering Colorado now, recruiting. I'm helping out on a bunch of Deion Sanders stories. Uh, my focus isn't always on Miami. We spend a lot of hours doing this. I mean, 12, 14, 16-hour days uh, just doing research, calling, talking to people, ha- doing podcasts with you and Carlos Ledo and everybody else, dealing with guys like Kelvin Harris on uh, Twitter, who, by the way, loves to bash me on Twitter. But if I showed you my phone, the amount of missed calls that I have from Kelvin, you'd laugh. Uh, we're, we're actually good friends. He just likes uh, playing the heel like in WWE online with everybody. So uh, for those of you wondering, no, Kelvin Harris and I are friends. He's not being uh, he's just he's having some fun with everybody on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, it's, this is a tough job. And sometimes under pressure, you know, you kind of just you, you, you have things that you say that maybe you're not prepared to say. So I would not jump down. Um, our friend Andrew Ivan's too hard. Uh, I think, yes, did he make a mistake? Absolutely. I just want to point out. Uh, I, I wrote my Cormani column on Wednesday at 12 o'clock when he didn't sign. And I put it out there saying, regardless of whether or not Cormani signs, in my opinion, this is a good day for the University of Miami. They signed a great class. One player will not spoil it. And, I've, and I'll say this again, like you said earlier, Andrew, they can go out and get somebody in the portal and, and find that five-star cornerback next year if he doesn't sign. So uh, this, you know, I, I would say this over and over again. There's no way Miami's a loser with the job that Mario did coming off of a five and seven season. It's just not, it's not even close. They, this is, this is a huge victory for them and that needs to be uh, respected in that way. Um, all right. Uh, a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll finish this thing up here. Um, this is from David uh, Sims, David P Sims on Twitter. How many more roster spots do we have open at the moment? Obviously things can change with the spring portal dates. I said this earlier in case you missed it. I, I my count 82, which means three scholarships, but again, it's going to fluctuate because there are guys that are either going to graduate and be asked nicely to leave or guys that are going to just be taken off scholarship because Mario can do that. Mario is allowed to do that the first 18 months on the job. So if he can find help elsewhere, he will. Uh, I don't think this is, this is much of an issue. Yeah, the, the numbers will always work themselves out. If they need to make space because they think there's people that can come in and help this team, they will find a way to do it. All right. This is from Armando. And I wish I could pronounce this last name. It's Yza Gire. Uh, so I'm going to say Izagire. Um, what statement did Mario make to the uh, to the other Florida and ACC schools with their class this year? I think a big statement. I think uh, you know, especially when it comes to the other Florida schools and uh, and other ACC schools, they they definitely did a good job of, of keeping these South Florida kids home. Um, I think I put a, a couple of tweets out yesterday about data Broward County. Um, I think it was in, there was nine, four and five star prospects in uh, Dade County. Miami got four of them. I believe FSU and Florida only got one. And then uh, in Broward, there was 10, uh, four and five star prospects in, uh, in Broward. And Miami got four of them. FSU got two and Florida didn't land a single one. Um, so I think they did a good job keeping some of the in-state schools out, out of South Florida. Um, University of Florida only signed one player from, uh, from Dade, Broward and Palm Beach being Andy Jean. Um, so they, they did a good job kind of uh, keeping UF out of down here. Um, honestly, the biggest issue right now is, is Georgia. Georgia came into the state, took seven of the top 20 guys uh, from the state of Florida. I think that's something that, uh, you know, Miami's got to compete against is trying to keep some of those guys home. Um, obviously, with 
what Georgia's put together on the field, that that's difficult. Um, Miami's got to start winning if they want to get to that level. But in terms of how they've competed against other schools in conference and, and in state, um, they, they did a really good job of, of locking a majority of those guys home that they were in battles with uh, against those in-state teams. Yeah, I agree. And, and look, the number one class in the ACC, I, I would say from a conference perspective, you know, the ACC is there for the taking. And if Miami can continue to stack, again, multiple classes on top of one another, uh, I really think that, you know, this is an opportunity to, to, to sort of rise quickly to the top of the conference. I will say this, Andrew, and I know this won't make Miami fans happy. I think Florida State might have the best team in the ACC next year. Um the fact that they've got their quarterback coming back, the fact that they they always seem to do well in the transfer portal. Mike Norvell and his staff do a good job. I don't want to crap on Florida State by any by any means whatsoever because I know some people were. They're saying, oh, their class isn't as good as Miami's. You got to give them credit. They've turned this thing around in year three. They were nine and three. I, look, I'm not saying Florida State's winning the national championship. I don't think they're anywhere close to that either. But I think they could be good enough to beat Clemson and win the conference next year. I just will say that. And that'll help them on the recruiting trail if they can have a season like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said there. They uh, they probably have the most talented, if not second most talented roster coming back. Uh, they were able to keep a lot of guys that, that had good years. Um, the one thing I will say is, is we, we even saw under Manny, um, you know, when you try to really build your team through the portal instead of through high school recruiting, sometimes it does lead to some issues just with guys coming in for a year, being out for a year, um, you know, just being thrown in. Uh, so, so we'll see if there leads to any issues there. I think they do need to, to pick things up from a high school recruiting standpoint. Um, but I think this year could be kind of, um, you know, I, I think if they're going to make a run, it's got to start this year because I think once Jordan Travis leaves, um, you know, you, you can say what you want about him. It's not the best pass for this and that. He has made, you know, big strides. And uh, he is very dangerous as a college quarterback with what he can do with his legs and everything like that. Um, I think they take a big step back after he leaves. So I think if they're going to make a run and, and start to really make a push in high school recruiting and everything like that, um, it's got to be this 2023 season and that's 2024 recruiting class. All right. Um, this is from Ruben Valorio on uh, RUB Valorio on Twitter. Uh, are we sticking with Gaddis, or do you think we're just waiting for the recruiting class to be solidified to make a change? Any other coaching shifts or changes? Um, you know, it's an interesting topic because Mario obviously is is trying to finish up the recruiting class. Here's what I'll tell everybody about coaching changes. Okay. And I've said this on my Big O appearances and we'll probably repeat it again because Big O asked me every time I come on the show, what's happening with the coaching staff? Uh, think back to last year. Just think, just think back to the most immediate, you know, Mario comes in, he's got to hire a new staff. Um, a big influence in all this is the NFL, right? Like there's guys that you may be targeting to bring in. Um, and, and so the NFL season is still going. The regular season won't end for another three weeks. There's three games left before the end of the season. Um, guys are going to be interviewed for – like there's – there's. I think this thought process of you fire and just hire somebody else, people don't realize contractually there's there's deals, right? You have to finish out the rest of your contract. Otherwise, you got to you, – you know, they got to pay you to go away. There's so many different factors in this that I think people want instant results. I don't think Mario is pushing – He's not a guy who's ever going to just push through this process and just fire a guy. I, I think, you know, a lot of political factors in this, right? Making, uh, he, he spent a lot of money hiring these guys after one year to just fire them and get rid of them doesn't make him look good, Andrew. So there's a process to this all. 
I would just tell people, I think there's a lot of belief there will be a change at the offensive coordinator position. There's a lot of belief there may be a couple of assistants who head elsewhere. But I'll also say I don't think this is going to be a clean swipe across the board with the coaching staff. What are your thoughts? What are you hearing with that? Uh, I, I was told shortly after the year to expect a lot of changes, um, mm-hmm. especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, those seem to have died down as we've been getting more and more into recruiting. Um, we'll see now that uh, that signing day has passed if some of those things start to come to fruition. Um, but again, I think it's, it's, I mean, like you said, we saw with Mario's hiring process last year, it's not something that he just does on a whim. Um, you know, he kind of, it almost annoyed some people last year with how long he was taking to, to make some of those decisions, but just how, how he is when it comes to that, he's very specific. Um, so I, I think time will tell. Um, but I do know as of when the season was ending before we, you know, everyone got so, you know, involved in recruiting and everything like that with signing day. And that was became the main focus. I was told to, to expect some, uh, some changes on the offensive side of the ball when it came to the staff. I, and that's similar to what I've heard throughout this process. Uh, I think, um, again, just does somebody get fired? Probably not. Does somebody leave? Yes. I think that's the way things potentially play out here. Um, this is uh, a couple more here, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. I've said that twice now. When, when does Cormani have to sign to be eligible for early enrollment? This is from Let's Be Jerks. I love the name on uh, Twitter. Um, first of all, I, I think you and I can agree. We don't think he's enrolling early at this point, right? No, um, Cormani won't be an early enrollee. Um, just some stuff with test scores and stuff that they're still working through. Um, he'll, he'll be a, a summer enrollee. All right, this is from this where he signs. <laughs> right, this is from Drop Dog Seventy Two. Have you spoken to any offensive skill guys in this class about their thoughts on God- Gaddis's offense? Um, you know, it's funny. I really haven't because I guess in the back of my mind, I thought there would be some change anyway. Um, I, I can tell you this from my conversations with a lot of guys. I asked them, how tough was it to stomach that five-game losing streak at home, um, you know, and be there in person? A lot of the local guys on Wednesday all told me it sucked because you're sitting there watching the team you want to play for get destroyed. But I think at the same time, uh, they also felt a sense of responsibility. Like, okay, I've got to go here and change it. And again, this comes back to what we talked about before. DNA, do you want to be a hurricane? Do you want to see different results? I think a lot of these kids, they can't give you an honest assessment of what they think of an offense until they're in it, until they start learning the playbook, until they're they're participating in it. And in the end, a lot of them will just talk to you about the way that they think their role is on the team and whether or not they think they're doing a good job. I don't think too many guys get deeply involved in breaking down X's and O's unless they're a quarterback. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I didn't want to ask too many of them about it because I don't want to scare them away when they started thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, the biggest thing with this class is they, they sat there and watched, you know, Miami lose these these five straight home games, not really be competitive in any of them. And uh, and they still felt like they wanted to be here. They wanted to come in here and change things. They they felt comfortable with the systems that they were seeing. Um so I, I think that's the biggest thing is that it's it's just kids that want to be here. They're not coming here for other reasons. They're coming here, you know, and if people want to say NIL this, NIL that, when you're that high quality of play, you can go get paid wherever. These are, these are you know, a lot of these kids wanted to be here. They wanted to come help get this fixed. And I think that's the, the biggest thing with this class. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Hopefully it, it turns into them being able to, to come in and get that done. Mark Houston, Eric. Uh, Billy G, Matthew, Utah, and then uh, Cuddy Bag, all people who asked questions. I'm sorry we ran out of time, uh, but we basically covered, from from me reading over your questions here, we covered a lot of this stuff. 
um, as far as, uh, you know, recruiting class, coaching changes, all that kind of stuff. We, we hit on these subjects. So hopefully you got your answers. Um, Andrew, thanks for coming on and doing the show with me once again. Uh, Andrew, of course, works with the raw seven on seven team here based out of South Florida. You guys are going to start getting going here in early January. I just went to go see your former team uh, last week and I stopped by. They had a T-shirt for me. Uh, they wanted me to wear. I actually wore it to Mario's press conference. So now I got to get a raw seven on seven for equal balance. I don't want I don't want people to think I'm favoring one seven on seven team over the other. Uh, when in reality, I just love going and watching these kids play and getting to know them. So uh, at some point, you got to hook me up, brother. We we will definitely make sure you're hooked up with uh, <laughs> with all the latest gear. We've got some uh, some great sponsorships and stuff coming in from the apparel side that we'll be announcing soon. All right. Should be exciting. You guys get going here. The early uh, first week of January, I think, is when you when you have some of these uh, camps, et cetera, things that you guys are going to be doing. And then, of course, games right around the corner. I think second and third weekend in January, we'll already have tournaments here locally uh, going on. Battle Miami will be a big one. Uh, the opening tournament where everybody across the country seems to come down for that one. So there'll be plenty of recruiting coverage, a lot of recruiting, recruiting coverage in the athletic. If you aren't already subscribed, please do. Uh, I'm very close to hitting my, uh, my, uh, my benchmark for the year with subscription. So I think I'm only about five or six away. So if you're watching this and you want to be nice to me on Christmas, uh, sign up for the athletic. I will, uh, this is my begging. I will, I will wrap it up with that. Andrew, any final thoughts here as, uh, as we wrap up the Christmas season on Cormani or anything else on your mind? Uh, no, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, with, with Cormani is the exception, just, uh, Glad that everything here is pretty much wrapped up with signing day. Um, these last couple weeks have uh, been a lot. Happy for these players. I know it's been a, a lot on them as well. Um, talked to, to Mark Fletcher about it. And he was just saying how uh, how relieved he is for it to all be done, how it's just a big weight off his shoulders. And, you know, now he can just kind of focus on, on working out, focus on football school, getting ready. And I think that's uh, the way most of these guys feel. So uh, I'm sure they're all happy that, uh, you know, the process has, has come to a close as well. All right. So as we wrap this up, five minutes to 10 a.m., I know as soon as we hang up and we finish this phone call, Cormani's going to sign with Miami and it's going to be a big deal and everybody's going to go bananas. And so if that happens, we apologize. We recorded a little too early for you, uh, but we, we tried to hold out as long as we could. Andrew's busy. I'm busy. It's the Christmas season. There's a lot of stuff to get going. We will be back with the Wide Ride podcast soon. Thank you for listening today. Uh, Andrew, thank you again. Make sure you follow Andrew on Twitter. Give him your Twitter address. I want people to know where you're at. Uh, it's just my first name, underscore last name. So Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, underscore Ferrelli, F-E-R-R-E-L-L-I. And you can follow me on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro. Thanks for watching. We'll be back soon. Yeah.